0: Heyd Míla falta. welcome to the Letter from Ireland show, where we travel in the footsteps of your Irish ancestors, visiting their homelands and telling their stories as they put down roots in so many places around the world.
1: Hello everybody, Fáilte Dave Góler and you're very welcome to episode 704 of the Letter from Ireland podcast. I'm Mike Collins and I'm going to be your host, along with Karina Collins, for the next 30 minutes or so. Now, well, first of all, today's episode is called A Celtic Spring. And as we are recording this in towards the end of January, you might be wondering what's got into him. Why is he going on about spring so early? Well, I suppose, as I look around here in Cork at the moment, we actually have what we call a grand old stretch in the evenings as the light starts to come in during the day, towards the evening. And also there's a noted, I suppose, kind of increase in the bird song. And basically, we're coming into what was known in Ireland, one of the four seasons, the season of Imbolc, I-M-B-O-L-C. Now, Imbolc was a time, and we were an agricultural nation at the time, some might say we still are. Uh, when basically the uh, the ewes, if you like, the actual uh, female sheep mothers, were actually bringing their uh, milk in for the first time and ready to go out to pasture. So the actual festival of Imbolc, round about February the 1st, was an ancient uh, pre-Christian festival to actually mark this particular turning of the actual seasons from a time of sleep, I suppose, in winter, to that gradual, gradual wake-up as spring started to come upon us. Now, Imbolc, around February the 1st, has been replaced in more recent years with the actual feast of St. Bridget, La Fela Brigid, La Fella Breed, rather, and uh, in today's show, what we're going to do is we're going to introduce some music, which I think is very appropriate for this time of year. And also, Krina is going to read two letters. The first of which really brings back her own memories of Saint Bridget's Day at this time of year, going back a few over the last few years. And after that, we're also going to look at the impact of St. Brigid on the surnames of Ireland, and one very particular surname called Macbride. And in fact, we're going to dig a little deeper into the story of one gentleman, be he actually in real life or actually made up fictional, by the name of Willie Macbride, that featured in a very famous song first written back in the 70s. So it was a bit of a varied show today, you could say, but it is all around that particular theme of Imbolc and St. Bridget. We're going to start off today's show with a piece of music. And now we have a gentleman by the name of Seamus Begley from the Dingle Peninsula, and he is singing a song, Tomshire Im Colour, which is basically, I am asleep, and I thought it was kind of appropriate to mark that idea of winter as we start to gradually wake up towards the spring. So here we go Seamus Begley and Tompsha in
2: color. No. This сотруд...
1: Seamus Begley there with Tomsha M. Culla. Beautiful piece of music and really, really well sung. So now I think it also gives us that great um, idea of the um, sleepiness of winter just before spring might arrive. So we're going to go over to Karina now and she's going to read us a letter where she actually shares a little bit more about Imbolc, the Celtic festival, and her own personal memories of St. Bridget's Day.
0: My Personal Memories, St. Bridget and Imbolc Do you know that February 1st is a very special day here in Ireland? Traditionally, it marks the Celtic Festival of Imbolc, spelt I-M-B-O-L-C. Ilm bulk literally signifies a time when the ewes or the female sheep start to come into milk and are ready to go into open pastures as the first blades of new grass start to appear in the fields. So it is a wonderful time of fertility and great promise that must have been a relief to our ancestors as they started to emerge from a dark and cold winter. Given the connection to this Celtic festival, it's no coincidence that we celebrate Law Fela breda that's the Irish for St Bridget's Day, on February 1st, in honour of our greatest female saint. St Bridget has a special place in the hearts of the Irish, and her story and traditions have passed down through the generations. And some of these are still in place today. Why don't I tell you about some of these stories and traditions about St. Bridget that I learned and discovered as I was growing up. I love the stories that we were told as children about this wonderful saint. Bridget was born in County Louth around 455 AD, but she was not your typical girl. She refused marriage after hearing St. Patrick preach and decided to dedicate her life to God. To this end, she spent her life travelling around Ireland, bringing the Christian faith to Irish chieftains and their tribes. One story goes, and the one we were told as children, tells of how she outwitted a local chieftain to gain land for her monastery in Kildare. Now, this chieftain promised her as much land as her cloak would cover, But when she laid down her cloak, it started to spread and grow across many acres. Then, using this land, she went on to establish what is possibly Ireland's oldest monastery. Oh, I loved hearing that story when I was a child. I next remember Bridget coming into my life during my first posting as a young teacher. Would you believe the teaching position was in Kildare Town itself, home all that time ago to St. Bridget? Strolling around the town, it's hard to ignore the large round tower. Unfortunately, the tower is now all that remains of this once great ecclesiastical centre. Long gone too is Bridget's Abbey from 470 AD. But I did discover another interesting fact about Bridget. Her monastery was co-educational. She had both monks and nuns educated there. As abbess, she held considerable power and had administrative power equal to a bishop. Now, that was a woman ahead of her time. One of the lovely traditions linked to Bridget is the making of a St. Bridget's Cross. In Irish, we call it Crossog Bridget, C-R-O-S-O for the G, Bridget. So, the St. Bridget's Cross, or Crossogue Bridget, was made with rushes fashioned into the shape of a cross. This tradition is still kept alive and was in my Kildare school. Being the teacher, I had to quickly master the art of cross-making. But luckily for me at the time, we used wool instead of the traditional rushes that would have been used by St. Bridget. We have many traditions in Ireland and so many of these traditions are linked to Bridget. Long ago, her rush crosses were hung in the rafters of the home to ward off fire and you can still see them today in some old cottages. And I like to buy a St. Bridget's cross and hang it over the front door of my own home each year. You see them for sale around the town just coming up to Bridget's day on February 1st. Finally, Bridget was also associated with the healing arts. As a result, there are many holy wells dedicated to Bridget throughout the country. As for myself, when my career turned from teaching to healing, I liked to hang a St. Bridget's cross in the room where I worked. It certainly worked for me, and I like to think it also worked for the clients in my care. Perhaps St. Bridget is a Christianized version of the old Celtic goddess Breed, the goddess of fire. I mean, is it a coincidence that St. Bridget's Day coincides with the coming of spring and that wonderful Celtic festival of Imbolc that we spoke about earlier? Who knows? Maybe there is a connection between them both. It certainly seems so to me. I'd like to leave you with a poem from 1735 that was written about St. Bridget. St. Bridget's cross hung over the door which did the house from fire secure. And though the dogs and servants slept, by St. Bridget's care the house was kept.
3: House and all of our kin, bless this house and all of our kin. Protect this house and all within. Blessed Bridget, come into thy bed with the jam at thy heart. And the crown on thy head waken the fire within our souls Awaken the fire that makes us whole bless it, bridge queen of God Manifest our desires May we bring forth All that's good and fine May we give birth to our dreams in time Blessed Bridget, calmest thou in And all of our kin From the soul ring
1: Into the flame of our spirits tonight Lisa Thiel there, who actually comes from, I believe, California, with a composition called In Bulk. I suppose that also gives us an idea of the wide range and influence of Celtic music down through the years. Uh, of course, it's been very much attached to New Age spirituality and so on. But, you know, I think those kind of fundamental ideas and the fundamental, I suppose, kind of uh, tunes as well would be something that would be quite actually recognised by our ancestors. So let's move on a little bit. And we had in the previous letter, Karina talking about her own personal memories of St. Bridget's Day. Um, And of course, when we look at surnames in Ireland, many, many of our surnames actually came from well, saints' names, first names, as well as the saints themselves. So, you know, of course, we have things like um, when it comes to St. Bridget, we have MacBride, we have Gilbride, Kilbride, and so on and so forth. And there's a wide range of surnames. I'm not going to go into them all just now, but Karina is going to share a little bit more. We thought it would be appropriate to share this very particular. Um, story of a gentleman who was made known to us through song in the 1970s, a man called Willie McBride. So is going to tell you the story now and immediately afterwards we're actually going to play the song that was made very famous during the 70s by the Furies, here in Ireland certainly, called the Green Fields of France. But before that now let's go over to Karina, and we have a letter called The War to End All Wars.
0: On November 11th, over a hundred years ago, an armistice was signed between the Allies and Germany in a town in northern France. This agreement effectively brought the four years of hostility of World War I to an end. It took effect on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month of 1918. At the outbreak of this war in 1914, most Irish people supported the war in much the same way as their counterparts across Britain. Both Catholic and Protestant soldiers, a number estimated at 200,000, enthusiastically signed up and served in the British Army. It's hard to make sense of the huge numbers and statistics associated with this war to end all wars. So, Let's approach those terrible facts through the story of just one young Irish man. One soldier who died in the war to end all wars. As you might realise, Irish surnames mostly come from the first name of an illustrious ancestor. So we have the sons of Corrig, now called McCarthy, or the descendants of Niall, called O'Neill and so on. However, the odd saintly name also works its way into our surnames. For example, the most famous female saint in these isles is Saint Bridget, and she had many followers. In fact, there are a whole group of surnames across Ireland and Scotland that reflect this following. In Irish, they were known as the Mach Ghylla Vrida, spelt B-H-R-I-G-H-D-E, And in English, this is Sons of the Follower of St. Bridget. This eventually anglicised into a number of distinct surnames, including Kilbride, Gilbride and Macbride. Do you have any of these names in your Irish family tree? But for now, let's concentrate on one particular family of Macbrides. Joseph and Nicolina, known as Lena McBride, were married among the soft rolling hills of County Armagh shortly after St. Patrick's Day in 1888. Now, Joseph was a local farmer and the couple settled into a farming life together in the townland of Rathcarbury. Over the following years, they started a family together and they were blessed with seven children. However, Life can take a turn at any moment, and so it was for the MacBrides. Joseph McBride died unexpectedly at a young age in 1910, leaving his wife, Nicolina, to care for the farm and seven children aged between one and twenty-one. The middle boy, going by the name of William, struck off for Belfast to become an apprentice shoemaker at the age of thirteen. He was living in Belfast in 1914 as Britain entered what was to become known as the Great War. By 1915, he'd signed up to the Royal Inniskilling Fusiliers and was sent to train in preparation for war. The Battle to End All Battles, The War to End All Wars The 1st of July 1916 saw the start of an offensive by combined British and French forces against an entrenched German opposition in northern France. By the end of that single day, British casualties alone amounted to 57,470, 19,240 of which were fatal. It was the worst loss of life in British military history. The Battle of the Somme carried on through a series of skirmishes and offensives right until November 18, 1916. By that time, there were combined casualties of over 1 million soldiers from both sides. They included 350,000 casualties from the United Kingdom, including tens of thousands from Ireland, 24,000 casualties from Canada, 23,000 from Australia, 7,400 from New Zealand, 3,000 from South Africa, 2,000 from Newfoundland, as well as 204,000 French casualties and 465,000 German casualties. Those are very large amounts for us to take in, each number being a single tragedy for so many families at the time. Many of these fallen lie in unmarked graves and are commemorated by a series of monuments in the area. When William McBride headed off to the front in early 1916, his dear mother wrote him a series of letters. However, they all went unanswered as William McBride was killed by explosion on February 10th, 1916. In a way, he is one of the fortunate ones as he has a marked individual grave in the military cemetery in Aux Many years later, a Scottish songwriter living in Australia by the name of Eric Vogel visited the region and was struck by the sheer amount of gravestones and monuments covering such a small area. He was moved to pen one of the greatest songs of war and peace in our time and he named the song No Man's Land. But the song became popular under a different title, The Greenfields of France. Even today, it remains one of the most popular songs here in Ireland. In his song, Bogle decided to concentrate on the life and death of just one soldier, and he called that soldier Willie McBride. Bogle had previously stated that he had no single soldier in mind for Willie McBride, but he was looking for a name to rhyme with graveside. As well as choosing an Irish name to counter a lot of the anti-Irish sentiment in England at the time, he wrote the song, remember, during the mid-1970s and in the aftermath of the Birmingham and Guildford bombings in England. However, as the song became more famous, many began to speculate on the identity of THE Willie MacBride mentioned in the song, and it was discovered that there were about 10 possible contenders. It came down to Trevor Geary, a historian from Armagh, to point out that the best fitting, Willie McBride, was the one mentioned above from County Armagh, based on a gravestone at the cemetery in O'Toole. The song begins, Well, how do you do, young Willie McBride? Do you mind if I sit down here by your graveside? So here's to young Willie McBride and all of our readers and friends whose family members or loved ones may have become casualties of war down through the decades.
4: Well, how do you do, young Willie McBride? Do you mind if I sit here down by your graveside and rest for a while need the warm summer sun I've been walking all day and I'm nearly done I see by your gravestone you are only nineteen when you joined the great fallen in nineteen sixteen I hope you died well, and I hope you died clean Our young Willie who was it slow and obscene? Did he beat the drums slowly? Did they play the five slowly Did they sound the death march as they lowered you down? And did the band play the last post and chorus? Did the pipes play the flowers of the forest Did you leave a wife or a sweetheart behind and some faithful heart is your memory enshrined although you died back in 1916, and that Faithful heart Are you forever 19 Or are you A stranger without Even a name Enclosed and Forever Behind the glass frame In an Old photograph Torn, battered And stained And faded to yellow In brown leather did he beat the drums slowly? Did he play the fire flowly? Did they sound the death march as they lowered you down? Did the band play the last post and chorus? And did the pipes play the flowers of the forest? The sun, now it shines On the green fields of France There's a warm summer breeze It makes the red poppies dance And look how the sun Shines from under the clouds There's no gas, no barbed wire There's no gun firing now But here in this graveyard it's still no man's land the countless white crosses stand mute in the sand to man's blind indifference to his fellow man to all generation that were butchered and damned did he beat the drums slowly? Did he play the flow slowly? Did they sound the death march as they lowered you down? And did the band play the last post and chorus? Did the pipes play the flowers of fall? My young Willie, my bride, I can't help wonder why To those that lie here, know why did they die? And did they believe when they answered the call? Did they really believe that this war would end wars? Well, the sorrow, the suffering, the glory, the pain The killing and dying Were all done in vain For young Willie McBride It all happened again And again and again and again And again Did they beat the drums slowly Did they play the five slowly the they sound the death march as they lowered you down Did the band play the last post and chorus? Did the pipes play the flowers of the forest? Did they beat the drums slowly? Did they play the fine slowly? Did they sound the death march? As they lowered you down Did the band play the last in chorus? And did the pipes play the flowers of
1: the fall? The Fury Brothers there with the powerful, powerful composition from Eric Bogle called Green Fields of France. The story um, where Eric wrote, um, focusing on just one of those many, 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 many gravestones, grave markers he came across in northern France back in the day and decided to pen a composition around that. So um, I do remember back, I guess it was around 1977, 78, when the Furies were in the charts in Ireland. And quite frankly, we were driven a bit demented by that song because I think it stayed in the charts around number one, the top 10 anyway, for the best part of a year. So we certainly had a fill of it by the time it was over, but you know, in the fullness of time, as it recedes just a little bit and gets put into proper context, uh, I can certainly appreciate that song over and over again. So that's it from our special episode here of the Letter from Ireland podcast. And it's called A Celtic Spring. We do hope you enjoyed it, where we looked at a little bit more about Imbolc, a little bit more about, say, Bridget's Day as it layered over that. And, of course, the very particular story of young Willie McBride that you heard there. So if you're interested, you can find the show notes at a forward slash 704. That's a forward slash 704. And of course, we're just getting up and going for the year here in the Letter from Ireland podcast. So do remember to subscribe. Hit the subscribe button inside whatever player you're in at the moment. And you will be sure to be notified every Thursday when we upload a new episode of the Letter from Ireland podcast. So for now, this is Mike Collins. And thank you very much for listening from myself and from Karina. Slaan for now.
0: If you've enjoyed today's Letter from Ireland show...